Dr. Balaga here. I have another terrific God Knowledge Doc podcast for physicians and advanced practice providers, including uh, physician assistants and nurse practitioners. You should find this podcast very useful in your practice. This podcast is on imaging and cardio-oncology, a brief overview. I've served as the inaugural cardio-oncologist at the Ohio State University Wexner Medical Center. Uh, at the uh, uh, at the Ohio State University Cardio Oncology Center of Excellence, and I, I was also the inaugural co-editor of the International Cardio Oncology Society Board Review Manual. This is a terrific manual, and anyone wanting to know more about cardio oncology will find this as a very useful resource available at the International Cardio Oncology Society uh, website. My other acknowledgments is that um, a lot spoken today is derived from an editorial I wrote with uh, Dr. Jim Young from Cleanman Clinic. Uh, while we both served as the consulting editors for Heart Failure Clinics of North America, I'd like to also thank Dr. Daniel Addison, Dr. Arjun Ghosh from England, Dr. Thura Harfi, my colleague, and Dr. Daniel Lenihan from St. Louis uh, for sharing the slides which helped me shape this talk. In this terrific chapter on cardiotoxicity in a color atlas and synopsis by McGraw-Hill, which I edit, Dr. Dan Lenihan and Dr. Singh talk about all the cardiotoxicities we can see with cancer therapies. We know about anthracyclines and um, and trastuzumab. They, they cause LV systolic dysfunction. Radiation causes premature coronary artery disease, affects the valve may affect the myocardium, causing myocarditis, pericarditis, cardiac arrhythmias. And the key drivers uh, for radiation are a dose more than 30 gray and when the heart is in the field of exposure. Other medications like alkylating agents like cyclophosphamide can cause heart failure. Platinum um, agents like oxyplatin, cisplatin, carboplatin can cause myocardial ischemia, high blood pressure and LV hypertrophy. 5-fluorouracil can cause vasospasm, spasm, myocardial ischemia, and pastelitaxel and can cause cardiac arrhythmias and thrombosis. The novel therapies, in, uh, including trastuzumab and the VEGF uh, signaling pathway inhibitors can cause hypertension, proteinuria, cardiomyopathy. And the tyrosine kinase inhibitors have a plethora of effects. Dastinibic can cause primary hypertension, Nilotinib can cause peripheral arterial disease. Ponotinib can cause vascular events. Ibrutinib can cause AFib. And as these agents continue to grow, we're seeing the whole spectrum of cardiovascular uh, complications. Thalidomide and lenidomide can cause uh, thromboembolism in the arteries and veins. Proteosome inhibitors which can cause hypertension, heart failure, venous thromboemboli. Checkpoint inhibitors like nivolumab and pembrolizumab can cause myocarditis, and androgen uh, uh, deprivation therapy can cause dyslipidemia, uh, hyperglycemia, increased subcutaneous fat, and coronary artery disease and uh, vascular disease. This slide uh, on the, the left panel shows a thrombus causing turbulent flow in the left proximal femoral vein 
and extending into the calf veins in a patient receiving VEGF signaling pathway inhibitor, pazopanib, for advanced renal cell cancer. The right uh, panel shows a patient who developed symptomatic high-grade severe stenosis of the proximal LAD while receiving chronic androgen deprivation therapy for metastatic prostatic cancer. This was a terrific, terrific chapter by Dr. Lennyhan in um, the Color Atlas and Synopsis of Heart Failure, edited by me. One of the things I'd like to bring to your attention is the cancer patients go through a lot of screening tests by oncologists. For example, in this patient in the left panel, he was having uh, an uh, MRI plain film before they actually do the MRI. And it, it reported vascular calcification in the thoracic aorta. This is a patient with bone mets. And the very fact that he had vascular calcification in the thoracic aorta prompted me to check his lipids and initiate lipid therapy. On the right side is actually a CTP study done on one of the patients referred to us for heart failure. And if you see at the middle of the panel, uh, there's a report from the uh, radiologist, extensive coronary artery calcification, atherosclerotic aorta without aneurysm. So when the patient was referred to me, this prompted me to check his lipids. And then based on uh, these findings, we initiated uh, statin therapy. Multimodality imaging can be used to stratify patient risk, to identify cardiovascular injury during and after therapy, and to forecast recovery. For cardiotoxicity, the uh, imaging modalities used are echo, uh, CMR, that is MRI, PET scanning. For ischemia workup, we use stress echo, stress MR, coronary CT, and PET. This is a terrific uh, review uh, by Dr. Plena et al. in uh, Jack Imaging, which talks about cardiovascular complications of therapy, including LV dysfunction, pericardial disease, coronary artery disease, pulmonary hypertension, and aortopathy. And on the right side, the table actually lists all the agents which cause uh, these cardiac manifestations. For example, pericardial disease is due to radiation therapy, methotrexate, coronary artery disease due to um, uh, anti-metabolites, anti-microtubule agents, pulmonary hypertension due to small molecule tyrosine kinase inhibitors, and vascular toxicity due to anthracyclines, tyrosine kinase inhibitors, monoclonal antibodies, proteasome inhibitors. So you see in the last column, there are the plethora of agents we, uh, of imaging modalities we can use to diagnose uh, uh, the toxicity due to cancer therapies. When it comes to um, uh, cardiac dysfunction or LV dysfunction due to uh, chemotherapy, particularly trastuzumab, the the ranges used are uh, in the right in the right uh, column. You will see when the there's an absolute decrease in ejection fraction greater than 16%, then we hold all, we hold trastuzumab. In the left, uh, in the second column, you see when the absolute decrease is less than 10%, we continue it regardless of baseline ejection fraction. But when the absolute decrease is between 10 to 15%, we will only continue it when the baseline ejection fraction was within normal limits. 
when it was 1 to 5% less than the lower limit of normal, that is uh, LVF of 50, we hold therapy. Similarly, when it's greater than 6%, we hold therapy. So this is kind of uh, the behind the envelope approach, which is used in clinical trials to either to hold, continue uh, therapy with trastuzumab. This is from the editorial I, uh, we wrote with Jim Young. The important thing about ejection fraction echocardiogram is to realize with 2D echo, the coefficient of variation for LV systolic function can be as high as 15%, um, intra-observer uh, variation, making that the smallest significant change in ejection fraction that can be detected is approximately 11%. Similarly, the uh, test-retest variability of LV volumes varies between 11% for end diastolic volume and 15% for end systolic volume. Given these challenges, uh, in our program, now uh, all our echocardiographers, especially in our chemotherapy-induced cardiotoxicity patients, will compare the, the echo they're reading that day with the previous echo so they can give us a realistic trajectory of the changes in ejection fraction in our patients. Another option which is emerging is 3D echo because it's a, it's a lot more reliable. Strain imaging is also emerged as an important um, modality in the toolkit of, uh, uh, of our patients. Strain imaging has superior reproducibility when uh, compared with LVEF. Uh, the, uh, uh, the strain imaging derived parameters are highly reproducible with low inter-observer and intra-observer variability. And we have been using roughly about 15% as uh, a change 15% as uh, an indicator whether to initiate therapy for LV dysfunction in response to uh, chemotherapy. So this is now standard of care. So uh, you can have peak longitudinal strain obtained through speckle tracking. And uh, we can have circumferential and longitudinal strains. And, and, and these are now uh, standard of care. For peak longitudinal strain, uh, uh, we use um, Speckle tracking from six regions of interest that are independent and occur almost simultaneously uh, in the patient. Hot off the press is this very important article published by Dr. Dinesh Tavindri Nedan in Jack Cardio Oncology, November 16th issue. The key takeaway from this very important paper is that using echocardiography and patient demographics, one can risk stratify those highest risk for cardiovascular disease. They found age above 50 years, an E to E prime uh, ratio greater than 7.8, and, and a GLS less than 18 associated with worse prognosis. And they were able to risk stratify patients depending on these three criteria from group one to group seven, Group 1 having no risk, and they were, these were younger individuals with normal GLS and normal E2E prime. And those in group 7 with the worst prognosis 
were older individuals with an abnormal E2E prime and an abnormal GLS. It's a must-read uh, article for those who want to manage their patients over the years. Cardiac MRI is the gold standard in the evaluation LV function and has a high spatial resolution. The main advantage is its low intra-observer and inter-observer variability. However, cardiac MRI is also not amenable to sequential imaging in the physician's office. In a on the right panel, in a paper uh, I reviewed for acc.org, this paper was in Jack in 2019, it, it, it suggested that T2 mapping during therapy identifies intracardiomyocyte edema generation as an early marker of chemotherapy-induced cardiac toxicity. Now, native T1 is measured in milliseconds, is increased when the interstitial space is expanded, for example, by fibrosis or amyloid deposition or edema, whereas T2 measurements provide an estimate of tissue water content. For example, T2 is elevated during acute myocarditis and following acute myocardial infarction. This study suggested that T2 during therapy is the earliest marker of anthracycline-induced cardiomyopathy. Another study, uh, which was uh, recently reported in Jack Imaging, found that um, MRI has limitations. Uh, it appears that it is prudent for the same uh, reader to ascertain the T1, T2, and the ECV values, the extracellular volume values at different time points whenever possible for serial imaging, particularly in patients suspected of chemotherapy-related dysfunction. In another paper which uh, uh, reviewed in uh, ACC.org in 2016, the main strength of uh, cardiac MRI, especially when using the Lake Lewis criteria for myocarditis, is the high specificity and positive predictive value, whereas the sensitivity of MRI to detect myocarditis is variable and depends on the time and point when it's done in the trajectory of the myocarditis and the protocol of the scan. Therefore, it is important because these findings suggest that sensitivity can be improved with the choice of MRI technique. In a terrific chapter uh, in the same color atlas and synopsis of heart failure, Dr. Emily Rudin and Carolina Zariba talk about different hyperenhancement patterns. For example, on the right side is non-ischemic uh, LV dysfunction. Mid-wall hyperenhancement is seen in myocarditis and in uh, um, and that could be either near the uh, LV septum or in the free wall. We, uh, you can have epicardial uh, hyperenhancement in myocarditis. But in the lowest panel, you see the global endocardial endocardial hyperenhancement is seen in amyloidosis. So remember the patterns, mid-wall, uh, epicardial, and global uh, endocardial hyperenhancement. We, we talked about the different techniques which can improve the assessment with MRI, and these include late gadolinium enhancement, which I just spoke about, T1 mapping, 
extracellular volume fraction mapping, T2 mapping, and cine imaging. And in this terrific paper by Palinesh Tevindranathan in Jack this year showed that we can actually uh, confirm immune checkpoint inhibitor myocarditis or say it's likely or even say it's unlikely depending on using these different MRI parameters. So MRI has been evolving. It's, it's more sophisticated than four or five years ago. And I, I think it is our go-to test as we move forward. This is a patient with chemotherapy induced cardiomyopathy. And it's uh, uh, interesting that the, the top uh, figure shows that the LV um, is severely dilated in, on MRI. And the lowest figure, uh, the late gadolinium enhancement, reveals the presence of mid-myocardial fibrosis within the septum, consistent with an underlying non-ischemic process. Very recently, uh, just last month, Chetan Chennai from Mayo Clinic and colleagues showed that MRI is terrific in suspected cardiac tumor. It has a high accuracy, excluding a cardiac tumor. It offers unique ability to differentiate between various diagnostic possibilities, particularly when differentiating thrombus versus tumor, and I have done that for many of our patients. And it correctly distinguishes benign from malignant tumors owing to its excellent soft tissue contrast and high spatial resolution. In uh, MRI, uh, sorry, in cardiac am amyloid, especially in TTR amyloid, the screening test is, is now uh, the technetium 99 pyrophosphate scintigraphy. You will see that um, in the left panel, uh, the, uh, the left side uh, is uh, confirms uh, a, a myocardial uptake by the by by the by the heart. Uh, immediately and as present even three hours after post-injection, uh, indicating clearly that this patient has TTR amyloid. The right figure shows the same, uh, shows the uh, the concentration uh, of the of the um, of 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 the uh, TTR of the uh, pyrophosphate uh, technician pyrophosphate label uh, in this patient with TTR amyloid. This is an echocardiogram of a patient with ALA amyloidosis demonstrating thickened interventricular septum and posterior wall, left ventricle. This is from a terrific chapter by Dr. Maria Gertz and Dr. Timur Sher from Mayo Clinic. Dr. Gertz is chairman of medicine. who He contributed a terrific cha chapter on amyloid heart disease in the Colors Atlas and Synopsis of Heart Failure. In the same chapter, he, uh, th this figure shows uh, a non-contrast MRI, uh, figure A, and post gadolinium MRI in the top panel, which, which show uh, uh, amyloidosis. The left panel shows left ventricle wall thickening, and the right channel shows delayed subendocardial enhancement and highly suggestive of infiltrative cardiomyopathy. And the lower panel shows a CT scan, which... Uh, shows myocardial thickening and bilateral pleural effusions. This this this, this figure shows uh, uh, this is by Dr. Emily Rudin and Carolina Zeriba. This MRI shows um, pericardial effusion, bilateral pleural effusions, LV thickening, and uh, the right two figures show uh, late gadolinium enhancement images with diffuse LV hyperenhancement.
And finally, um, we're using T1 mapping, which was abnormal in this patient with amyloid with the gadolinium. The T1 mapping was 82% and normal is less than 29%. So MRI is great to diagnose uh, amyloidosis. This talk is from uh, Color Atlas and Synopsis of Heart Failure.